Welcome to the Lighthouse Experiment, a Freedom Center Church podcast. Now, your license came today, right? You are licensed as of today? Yeah, as of today. Sick. Okay. That is, that is so cool. Well, welcome back to the Lighthouse Experiment podcast. We're so grateful y'all are back with us. Tonight, we have a guest, Austin Blythe, with us, who is a newly newly licensed... What does that mean? Newly licensed to what? Tell the accountant what you are. <laughs> EMT. Uh, EMT? EMT? Okay. Mm-hmm. So tell us where you are in your schooling and career, like, so so I understand, too, like, where you are with everything. Yeah, so I graduated high school in 2017, and then uh, right after that, I did a internship through our church, uh, the Freedom Center Ministry Academy. Uh, at, when I did that academy, I lived with Chris Golds, who's a vascular surgeon, uh, at our church, and that's what birthed the passion for medicine uh, for that year. And then, long story short, you know, I shouted him, fell in love with it, and uh, you know, at first I was like, "You work a bunch, and what the heck is vascular? Sur- what, what's a vascular?" You know, and so right, right. Uh, to the end of awesome. it, like, you know, <laughs> to the end of it, like, wow, this is actually really cool. You have a direct impact on people's lives, and you can help people in a lot of different areas whether that's like finance or teaching, whatever, but like when it's somebody's health, like you are the hope and it just has an extra weight, at least in my eyes. And, um, you know, did two years of college and then unexpectedly, uh, world pandemics kind of smacked us in the face and things turned to online and, uh, just in life, it just wasn't school. Wasn't, it needed to be put on pause. So I took a break. Uh, and then during the pandemic, did a few things. I partnered with Cafe Rama. We made a bunch of sandwiches and, you know, food and delivered to all three hospitals. Um, you know, just I decided was like, you know what, uh, what the heck, like, let's go become an EMT. Uh, just because I knew, look, I just got married. So that's awesome. Uh, yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> and, uh, right now I work as an ophthalmologic technician at Michigan Vision Institute. And so when I start back school now as a married man uh just i figured you know medicine md is where i want to like ultimately be but being an ems also opened up my perspective it gives me more hours to work more flexibility so it just it logistically works and it also opened my eyes to holy crap we have a public health crisis and it's right in our back door and i think ems has really exposed that and actually really turned on a passion for public health just because of the conditions that i've seeing like you hear you know my parents both worked at Hurley and you hear some of the stories you're like oh my gosh that's crazy but like when you actually experience some of these like people's lives like right then and there you're like holy crap dude like this is real like this isn't fake this is what Flint's like and you just kind of I went through like this whole journey of like man I'm super blessed but wow people are super broken at the same time so yeah and plan plan on returning to go back to school and eventually get into medical school it's the plan yeah that's like and and this path man there's a lot like i know guys that were medics when i first got into the into the industry that are docs now you know or pa or whatever the case but this is like street medicine is like where it's at for like like seeing all this i mean you came with me remember when you came on a ride along with me yeah. And you remember the very first thing you ever saw? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> uh-huh. You yep. saw first thing ever. I think the first thing we did was respond to a, a DOA, which is just someone who's gone down and they've been down too long for us to do anything for. And I believe she was old and naked and on the bathroom floor. Mm-hmm. And Austin yep. came in right behind me. Oh, you're here. There you go. I was like, like, here's the medic bag. I was like the gopher that day. I couldn't, I literally couldn't even do anything. I was just like, here's your bag, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yep, we're not going to do anything with it. But that's it, man. And it, it's, what's cool is to see people actually getting into this industry still. You know, like the numbers have, you know, have definitely dipped off. 
of people that even wanted to be involved, you know, and you can hardly blame people. Like you said, and we got a, a pandemic going on, you know, let alone just in our own neighborhood in Flint, mm-hmm. that kind of the public health crisis, but yeah, it's, yeah. it's very noble that you would do this, you know, during this time. Yeah. I mean, at first I was like, you know, at, at first glance, I was like, oh, this would be a good resume, you know, uh, you know, booster, yada, yada, yada. And, um, you know, it, that eventually turned into like, wow, this like, the, there's motivation with like achievement and then there's motivation by pain. And so like, when you see, like, there's a couple calls, like calls that kind of, you know, mess me up even on clinicals, like these hard calls. And I was like, wow, like now I, I don't feel like, I feel like I can't not do anything about it, you know? And so I just, I, it's funny, right before I hopped on this podcast, literally three minutes before I hopped on the Zoom call, I submitted my application to MMR. <laughs> so, so, yeah. Um, you know, I'm just super excited to just to be a part of a team. And there's a lot of issues within EMS. Uh, and they, my instructor said that the average is like one to three years and then people dip, they find better positions, <laughs> higher paying jobs. And yeah. some, some of the moods of these people, they're, a lot of them are angry and have nowhere to turn to, but honestly, I don't really blame them. You know, the crap they see, they don't necessarily have the hope that we essentially have. Yeah. So can't imagine not knowing who God is in an industry like this. Yeah. So that's for sure. And that's kind of the, so for me, man, that's what keeps me here. Cause like, like not that I don't get excited to go to work and all that stuff, but, my focus shifted a few years back on more of the people doing the job than really the patients, the patients and those families is kind of obviously as part of the process. But when I started watching people and how just just shattered everybody is, you know, mm-hmm. and like seeing people one, two years in being completely burnt out, you know, and, and I'm walking around and going, how is this possible? You know, how can you like, and then just, just to, what it can do to somebody is really incredible. You know, we had uh, one of the, uh, well, the Genesis program director, Chris Petrello on, he was talking about that. It was like really he the only cool. thing in the world other than being in combat where you can literally have someone come in and be completely burnt out in the same year. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, this is Def Flint's the system that you're about to jump into is so high volume, so fast paced, as you know, you know, it's like, it's to the point now. And I know from your clinicals, you'll probably agree that we don't even mind having to wait for the patient on a stretcher at the hospital. No, if you literally were like, thank you. Thank you. It's yeah. going to be like 20 minutes or like, like take 30. Yeah. Take or like, like when, when you, when you drop patient off, you do that little lollygagging thing and you know, mm-hmm. you take 30 minutes to clean the stretcher and then you finally call yourself back in service. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. But we'll, yeah, we'll what like six, too, when you get that. Yeah. We're doing today. I didn't have a partner until later in the day. And then I took a, uh, took a kid to, Detroit Children's, and that took quite a bit of time. So it was super low key. You know, tomorrow I'm starting in on a, a, a new project. This is some breaking news. So Swartz is a, doing a pilot program called Community Paramedic. And what that the program consists of is that we work directly with primary care and like the PHO from Ascension. And we do like typically oldies, most more often than not, COPD and CHF patients, but we go into their house once they've been discharged and we go over their medications with them. Like we'll do vitals and like the skin assessments and all that other stuff. And the object of the game is to keep people from being readmits. You know, a lot of people, like they don't even know their problem is polypharm and they have like eight medications that are contradicting to each other. So, yeah. yeah, it's kind of a new thing. It's kind of where, like, part of the paramedic industry is headed. So Swartz is offering it. 
And it's kind of a thing. If I do this now, then once it becomes a license, I'll be grandfathered. And also kind of career longevity. It'll make it so I'm not on the rig all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did hear about that. I did hear about that. I took my PHTLS class like three days before I graduated. And then uh, one of the sports guys came in. I can't remember his name, but um, he teaches it. And he was, tell- he was telling us about that. Um, yeah, that was a really cool class. I really enjoyed it. Uh, What's that, PHTLS? Yeah, the pre-hospital trauma life support or whatever whatever it's called <laughs> initials all, that, initials, all the letters initials. yeah <laughs> how does it work with just being the only one on the rig jim what do you mean you said today you ha- yeah you said you didn't have a partner oh right i had now. a partner like later in the morning my so, normal partner was home with his kids and i had a dude so i started at five i just didn't have a partner until eight so what did that look like did you still take calls no man i, I you just clocked I sat in you there and out I was clocked in, did my rig check, checked my monitor and all that stuff out. And then I sat there. And I did like my two different Bible reading plans I'm on. And, uh, I'm getting ready to take a book writing class. I outlined a bunch of chapters. And then. So you got like me time for three hours. That's yeah, I went. That, that's great. Helped other people so they'd be in service. And then. That's and, cool. Okay. And I had a partner. Okay. Had to rush home. Because we thought it wasn't garbage day, because usually in Grand Blank, it's push today when there's a holiday, but not the case. So I ran lights and sirens by myself to make sure. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I did take the ambulance, though. Okay, so, so I'm pretty gullible. When I ran through Panera the other day, they messed with me. Austin, you don't know this, but I have BFFs at Panera now, apparently. It's great. The girls are awesome to me. Um but they joked, one of the girls was like, oh, no, the morning shift all got let go. And I'm like, what? I was like, for why? And they're like, oh, because they're just screwing around and stuff like that. She's like, you want to meet the new team? And they all come, like, walking out there just screwing with me at, like, 7.50 in the morning. <laughs> I'm like, I haven't there had my go. coffee yet. You can't do this to That's me. That's funny. But. So, Austin, what do you hope for, like, in EMS world, what do you hope to gain? Or with that. What are you the most afraid of happening? That's a loaded question. Um, to gain is, yeah. is, okay, so the gain was honestly to, to thrive under pressure. I've always been good under pressure. Uh, I have a like, performance background, did a lot of drumming in my past. And so I'm performing in, on a stage in front of people is not new to me. Um, but doing BLS, you know, not super invasive stuff, but doing BLS in a crazy scene, you know, I rather learn the pressure, how to deal with that now than when I'm a resident operating on somebody on my table, you know, right. like what, when, when I have, I think I'll have that edge over, not that I, not over other residents, but have that, I guess that per- personal edge on myself, knowing that like, I already, this pressure thing is not new to me. I can think clearly under pressure, you know, and mm-hmm. I'll be able to just to execute. Cause it right. seems like even in my clinicals, like you for a moment, you got to take your emotions out and you got to think logically because if you, if your emotions are in and you, and you take every call super personally in the moment, you're not going to be able to do your job correctly. Um, you just gotta, you just gotta trust your training and, uh, you know, and then process the call after, you know, right. and, and talk Absolutely. to, talk to it with your partner. And when you're doing cleaning your, you know, rig after you drop patient off, you know, talk about, how it went, what could he have done better? But, you know, at the end of the day, like we're, we're patient advocates. And so, um, that's kind of what I hope to gain. And what I'm the most afraid of, honestly, um, some personal stuff I went through this year, like, just like, uh, death and dying has never been so close and I'm 22 years old. So like, I've never really dealt with death and dying and it's never been a common theme in my life until like recently, like my aunt passed in November, I've been seeing people you know, past left and right that are close, obviously in our church family. And also, mm-hmm. uh, just seeing some of the things you see on the road and you're like, wow, it's really hard as a believer. Like how, how it kind of, it, it elevates your faith a little bit. It's like, how does this happen in a world like this? Yeah. You know, like right. there's such an injustice and you're like, it's kind of like this inner battle. And there was a period of time to be vulnerable. Like, I'm like, I just didn't feel safe. Like I felt like, yeah, God is our provider, but like, 
at the end of the day, like anything can happen, you know, car accidents happen. We see those all the time, you know, random cardiac arrests, mm-hmm. uh, shooting, stabbings, you name it, it happens. And so I went through all that and I mean, I'm in a better spot now, but I think it's just some of the battle that we'll have to, I'll have to continually uh, face, you know, each and every single day. So, right. Um, and you know, honestly, that's something every single person ever that's gone into EMS specifically, you know, everyone has that same initial inner battle. Like I had been in the military Mm-hmm. I'd been to South America, had been in some situations there where got a little dicey. But then, you know, there was a substantial time period where I was just doing, I was an electrician for a minute, worked for an uncle for a minute, and then just, but then did the fire department and then got into EMS. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I think in February, I'll have 18 years. So I'll be going into my 19th year. And it's just like, it's still, it's still wild. Like there's things all the time where like, where I think, you know, that I'm like, okay, uh, okay. Now, now nothing surprises me. And then like a couple of days later, we'll come across something. I'm like, oh, wow, this is new. You know, Mm -hmm. another thing I wasn't expecting, honestly, that kind of was a shock to me. Like obviously some of the scenes that you have, but all the, like the med legal stuff that you can, that you're liable for into like some of the <laughs> sticky situations, like, uh, DNRs, for example, Hey, this person has a DNR. Okay. Where is it? I don't know. They have one though. You know, like those, that weird sticky med legal stuff gets really, and they talk about at least in our course, like, you know, being sued for, you know, negligence or, you know, whatever it is, they always like push that and med legal gets a little intimidating because there are some like situations where you got to like pick lesser of the two evils. It seems like so. Yeah. yeah. And there's, there's things like that. There's things they don't really tell you about that you'll come across yourself. There's decisions you'll have to make. Like I can remember the first time, that I responded to like multiple like injury accidents and essentially for one guy to live, we had to let the other guy basically just expire because we wouldn't have been able to get him out and to focus too much attention would have taken away from the one dude that you're able to save. But like being at the time, well, I started EMS, I was 34. So like 34, 35 year old dude, making that kind of decision for nine bucks an hour. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, it's a trip. It's like, like I said, man, it's, it's a big deal. This job is not for everybody. Yeah. And uh, one thing I did notice, it's like, you know, within, I mean, if I, if you study like the healthcare system in general, it's a freaking disaster in the United States. It really is truth. Uh, And that's why I'm so like passionate about just public health in general Um, you know, and I'm not talking about like, you know, Mr. Fauci over here. I'm talking more like, uh, on a systemic level, uh, and and EMS in particular, you know, I've seen kind of some hospital staff will just brush us off, you know, or Mm -hmm. like just blatantly like just disrespect you. And it's like, and then also the reimbursement, like not a lot of like, how do you get insured? How does the ambulance company make money with a gunshot wound? Like, or, you know, the, the, the wage is insane in EMS, um, which, you know, I don't think that's the reason why you should join EMS, but, and you have these patients that have all these, or you're right, all these medications, polypharmacy happening. And you have these doctors that, you know, they see a cardiologist and they go see, you know, ophthalmology and they go see, family medicine and then it's like they're not communicating with you know what medicine yeah. what medicine they're on they have no idea and there's so much contraindications and yeah it's just it's a disaster and, and like insurance in general it's just one giant it sucks because a lot of people for in our situation we are taught encourage the patient to go to the hospital always encourage be a patient advocate okay but at the same time it's like it deep down like yeah should they get checked out yeah probably but then again it's like there's that five they don't have insurance here's a five thousand dollar bill that they're gonna have to pay (laughs) 
you know? Right. So it's like from a financial right. standpoint, you're like, oh, I don't, I feel so bad. Like, but that's our job. We're taught, bring him to the hospital. I'm getting checked out. What's cool, man, is that as further you go. So like I said, I've been around a long, long time now. So now I'm to the point where I just started making those judgments, you know, low key. My mm-hmm. boss is planning on listening to this episode. So I'll probably have a sit down, but like, I don't think that's right either. So there's a lot of times Ashley was with us one time. This lady was yeah. kind of sick, but I was like, check it out. Like there's no reason for her to go sit in the waiting room at whatever hospital for like 12 to 20 hours. We'll check her out here. You know, obviously I'm in a different situation because I'm bringing in the cardiac monitor and doing like yeah. a full workup. Yeah. But like it's, yeah, but this dude, I mean, this me dude wanted to know if if he should right. take his mom in or not. Like he didn't know. He wanted he didn't want to do the wrong thing right. by her health. But then also, yeah, what are they going to do for twenty hours? He's going to have to go get food from the hospital. Like st- you know, like that's an expense. They're right. going to be stuck don't want to don't want to dip out. You might lose your spot. You know, it's right? Just, you know, and it's awful. just kind of where we are. You know, I mean, I know the county or the I think the state level. I know for sure on the county level, they mix in that COVID protocol where now, like if they're asymptomatic or, or kind of weak symptoms that we're supposed to tell them to stay home and get them in touch with the health department who will give, I know from when I had COVID daily, you know, daily guidance on what to do, but it's just, can I ask so many people are missed. Yeah. Why don't more of like that guy, like why didn't she, why didn't he call her doctor instead? Why did he call 911? Because the docs typically are going to say go to the ER because they need to have what we call positive deniability. So if she has anything going on, her primary typically will say, and his thought, maybe it's genuine. Maybe his thought is genuinely like, well, if you felt so bad, you need to call me. You need to go to the ER because he doesn't want to say, oh, you're fine. We'll make an appointment for like two Thursdays from now. And then something catastrophic happens. So typically the doc is just to stay safe and covered, yep. you know, because primaries aren't making any money either. Nope. That's true. I guess, I mean, you know, when we were super sick, I did like a web MD call with my, my doctor. And then the right. next week I still wasn't good and they had me come in that day. So I guess I've never had to wait two weeks to see my right. doctor when... I'm really sick. Like if it's really that much of a concern or I go to after hours, I've never gone to an ER if it wasn't, you know what I mean? Like I've never gone to, I've only used my doctor the after hours. Like if I went to an ER in my mind, it's because I need like (laughs) emergency resources. Well, I know. I mean, um, is that part of what you guys are talking about of just the systemic idea of how people use healthcare? Well, because a lot of people just are either uneducated or undereducated. But then, as obviously Austin has picked up on this quick, which is super impressive to me. But like that part of our county is one is this will start from the bottom, like the base level of healthcare is a food desert. They don't have the stores that we have. You don't have all the options of where to get all your produce and all your stuff like we do in the South County, like in Fenton and Grand Blanc. So you're going to, you're on, now we're on DuPont and like Hamilton at Hinky Dinky Market where you can spend eight bucks on some actual orange juice or a buck on a three liter of Sunkist. Dude, it's so bad. So you're eating eating a bunch of ramen, you're eating, you know, and it's just, so you have that, you have that, you know. So like when people, we'll back up real quick. So initial COVID and now we're talking about how kind of the black and brown community are more prevalently, like more often getting COVID and dying. Well, because the baseline, their nutrition is, is poor because they just, there's not the options. And yeah. then quite a few people, like quite a few family members live together. And a lot of they're working at Hurley, at McLaren, at Genesis in environmental services. So they're cleaning COVID rooms because nobody else wants that job. And so it's this whole huge ball of confusion. And then if you're working with, you know, 
kind of like the Medicare, Medicaid insurance or no insurance at all, then you're going to go to one of the Hamilton clinics. And they're just seeing so many patients at a time. It's just this huge, huge, like Austin said, it's a public health disaster. And it's yeah, just, it kind of goes brushed under the rug. Right. And on that, um, you know, a lot of those guys, they don't have an access to a car. Like, you know, us, we can just hop in our car and go to Walmart and get fresh yeah. produce, you know. But, like, they don't have that access. And the nearest thing, they walk to, like, a local, you know, basically party store and they eat what snacks on the shelf and a lot of it's due to you know think about school funding just lack of education from a elementary level like this is not a just a 20-year problem this is the last like 100-year problem like just the generations of families and we're seeing it day by day by day and just like cultural shadows on people and on top of that what really kind of blew my mind 2019 i went to mackinac island it was an ophthalmology conference Super impressive minds, research publications uh, by docs and ophthalmologists. And uh, from U of M, we had, there was residents there. They were talking about gene like therapy for like retinal disease to help repair like eyesight, and, like crazy stuff like that. And I remember turning to one of the docs that I was with and I was like, like, this is cool and all. Like, I appreciate all this. And, and like, I want to be with you guys. They're leading that one day. But like, we can't even get people to get classes like insurance will cover it. Like people just need to see. And it's like, why are we talking about this? We're like, the doctors are on step, you know, a hundred where we, we need to start at step one and half the people aren't even educated to get to step one. What is insurance? How do you get it? Like, you know, brush your teeth twice a day. Some people don't know it, dude. It's, it's, it's insane. So like, and a lot of doctors, you know, you know, I'm not, I don't come from a family of doctors, but a lot of the pre-med friends that I have, their dad is a doctor. Or, you know, they have family members that are doctors. And it's insane how much doctors actually don't know how much things cost in the pharmacy. So working as an ophthalmologist, like technician, I play phone tag a lot of the time. Like, hey, you know, your doc sent this prescription and it's going to cost me $800. Can I find an alternative? And then I have to go to the doc and be like, hey, the prescription, this whole conversation you had means nothing. They can't pay for it. Can we do something, you know, you know, something else? So it's like there's a huge discrepancy of knowledge and uh, between healthcare professions. And I think that's what causes a lot of frustrations with different medical providers. So I don't know. It's, it's been, it's been cool to see what, where people are at the U of M between U of M to seeing like basic healthcare needs in Flint. It's opened my eyes to a lot of like the systemic issues, like firsthand. And it's, here's the wild thing. It's like no one listens to the paramedics. Nobody. <laughs> like we're like in the house. You're like in the home. The thing, and we're telling them the thing. And they're like, we're going to do the million dollar workout. Okay. Suit yourself. Dude, people can't see past their egos and their degrees. Their degrees blind them. It's literally like, I mean, it, it's, it's insane. Like, I don't, I, I hate the. Like, I hate the hierarchy of medicine, whereas, like, EMS is down here, and then you have your, like, or below them are, like, you know, medical assistants. And, you know, basically, like, your your hierarchy is what your standard of practice is. And it's, like, I don't really see it like that. Or your scope of practice. I don't really see it like that, though. It's more like we all need to have a collective role. We all play our part. We're like an orchestra. But sometimes it doesn't, doesn't, doesn't end up like out that, that way more often no, than not. So, you know, it's wild. I'll tell you a story. There was a guy way back in the day, he had come from the Philippines or Thailand or something like that, but physician level, but had to like escape for military reasons, you know, for like governmental or political asylum or whatever. Okay. But when he came here, he worked in Flint at DVA was a company at the time as a paramedic. But for real, like real talk, he was smarter than all residents and a lot of the attendings at Hurley at all of the hospitals. And a lot of the time they would like, they would start talking about something because he was an older dude at the time. He was probably like mid late thirties, mid forties in that area, but they would look to him and ask him questions. And he'd be like, he was one of those medics where his shirt was never tucked in boots, never tied. just like doing his thing. But he was like, absolutely brilliant absolutely genius but 
because of his country and because of politics and government, you know, Where, I, so it just, Oh, sorry. What's that? Keep going. I was going to ask a question, um, kind of regarding like the, the EMS, like beyond, like what you were saying, like, how did we get to that point in EMS? Like where people like look down or, you know, kind of brush EMS aside, like what brought us here? Cause obviously you've been in the field for a long time. And like, I wonder how we got there. Just always been that way. Um, a lot of times I kind of hit on this, our last episode and like the whole reason we're spending most of this year having EMS people from our, from Genesee County on is because I wanted to give shine where shine is due. Cause I feel like we were kind of bypassed, looked over through the whole COVID season, like initially, but it's just the way it's always been, man. It's, uh, we bring it on ourselves quite a bit. Like you, you know, I know you've seen this. There's people who don't act professional, so they're not going to be treated professional. Um, you know, my advice is always just stay in your lane. Like I don't, like I, with my whole heart, I'm going to tell you, I do not need any doctors to be impressed with me. I don't care about that. I don't use words that are bigger than my vocabulary. Not ever. Like, you know, I don't see a point to it. It's not helping the patient. I just do my thing, stay in my lane. But it's just, by and large, it's just the way it's always been. It's always been that way. And there's this, the kind of attitude where, like, there's always been an underlying low-key beef between paramedics and nurses. It's just, honestly, it's just different jobs. Yep. Really like, is. your job as EMT is to do your thing, support your medic. And like, honestly, I can't do my thing without you doing your thing. It doesn't work. Mm -hmm. The system we operate in is basic medic, you know, in most cases. And it's just, I have to be able to trust that you can do your thing. So I don't have to think about your thing. I can only, all I have to do is mine. And right. it's, it's just, just been generations of, of, this weird kind of fake jadedness when I came through the training was that everyone's lying. No one is worthy of our time or care. Everything in the city is BS, you know, so you have to figure out for yourself, like, who do you want to be? You know what I mean? Like what type of human are you? And you can fall. I mean, I admittedly, I felt was walked that path for a long time. I walked that path. Then I was this kind of, I got my feet under me, got my medic, started doing well and kind of got this weird paramedic doctor house thing going where I mm -hmm. could care less about the family around. And I was just solving the problem and then on to the next problem. And then, uh, two things happened. One, my own son, Griffin, he got super sick. And was at his, he was at the pediatrician and I was at work and he had, what he had was a pneumonia, like a huge one for a three month old. So he was, he was hitting that compensation level. So he was getting tired out. So his, his retractions and all when he was breathing, but then his head started dipping and all this stuff. So they called an ambulance, but it was stat, it wasn't Swartz. So I show up from work and the crew from stat gets on and they're immediately like, do we need to cancel? Is this your call? And I was like, no, bro, this is my kid. And I need you to do what you know how to do and get my kid to Hurley. So long story short, they shut the doors on mm -hmm. the back of the rig. And I had literally up until that point in my life, never felt so helpless. Like I was legitimately like, okay, mm -hmm. like I'm used to being in the bus doing the thing. And they're driving off with my son and I don't know what's going to happen. And then the next thing is started coming to Freedom Center, got saved and got baptized. And I've said this story multiple times on the podcast, but Love got it. baptized on a Sunday, went back to work on Wednesday. And all of a sudden I could see the humanity in Flint where it hadn't been there before. And I literally, dude, said to Shannon, like, when did all these people get here? Like, what's going on? <laughs> and he's like, are you okay? Like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, no, I just have never noticed that there's yeah. actual humanity walking around. Yeah. So that was a huge game, you know, huge game changer. So it's been, 
it's just, but to answer your question, it's just, this is a thing. This is part of it. It's in every community. I have friends that are firemen and paramedics in Los Angeles County, and they say it's exactly the same. I have a friend that's a paramedic in Las Vegas. He says the same thing. Like, we're on the street doing a thing, and they they look at us like we're absolutely bumbling fools. Yeah, honestly. I think, you know, you combine – the biggest thing is when you see somebody's – like, why do people respect doctors? They have the most training, and they ha- make a lot of money. And I think that's literally the two things. What's your training level versus how much like your income is. And then then people rank you based on like, you know, like what you made. I think it's, it's, yeah, it's just, it's stupid. And, uh, you know, ultimately my goal is like as an MD, not only do I want to, you know, fix the public health crisis, or at least try to, uh, at least put a drop in the bucket. But, you know, my goal is to climb up the ranks and, and ruffle some feathers in a good way. Uh, mm-hmm. And to be honest, it's like, I'm, I'm so passionate about it. Like, I'm just not going to stop. And just cause it's like, it's so real. It's so, you know, we see it every day. And I think, yeah. you know, a lot of these guys, dude, it's like, they, they never see a patient. They never talk to a patient until first day of med school or even like during their clinical rotation. It's like, okay, you you guys are leading us. You don't even know how to talk to people. Like you're so smart. You can memorize a book and like, that's good. But like, you don't know, anything about talking to a human you've been basically a bookworm for the last eight years it's funny it's like, man. we call them and and once you hit this level i'll call you this too but i call them docklings when they first get there and then the short coats and they're following along behind the residents you know but like they don't a lot of dudes have been putting in so much academic work yeah that there's like and you have people man from like from high school like this whole time freshmen all the way up to present day, the goal has been be a surgeon or be general medical or whatever, be ortho or whatever they're going to do. And they literally have no idea. They don't have any idea how to talk to another human, let alone a human patient. Oh, yeah. Well, and just like, you know, and they pull out all these loans, you know, for, you know, medical school. And, you know, it's just like, it seems like, Cause I'm, we're trying to like college is expensive. I don't even know how people afford it to be honest, but you know, you have a lot of like, it's systemic, it's family generationally, your dad's doctor, they help with their undergraduate degree. They get to med school. That's what they live off of. They know that they'll, mm-hmm. they'll match into their residency programs and they know somebody here or their dad works for this, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And so it's like, you know, it's just like privilege is a real thing. And, uh, and, and, and that's not like their fault. And, and people who, I mean, physicians are like the guys that I know are really, really smart. I just think, you know, go do some community work for a little bit and go talk mm-hmm. to people that, you know, will go. I think it's just a worldview problem, honestly. Yeah. Cause I like, grew up in Linden my entire life, 20 minutes, literally North, completely different world. And then the last like eight <laughs> months, my, my, my whole perspective has just been love it. Just, but it's funny. Cause my mom worked, you know, Hurley's ER for years. My dad still works at Hurley as a radiology tech, tells me all the craziest stories. Mm-hmm. And so somebody who lives a life of just, you know, middle-class America, they come home, they tell these crazy stories. I'm like, oh, that's, wow, that's weird. Like, that's cool, whatever. And then you like experience it for the first time. It's completely different. It's completely different. Mm-hmm. Would you be surprised if I told you that at this point in my life, I feel way more comfortable in the hood than I do in my own grand blank i just feel there's a sense of peace that i have i would rather take care of patients there than patients in south county but uh, there's something about being there it's it's weird it's i think it's like i would compare it to somebody who becomes a missionary to wherever pick your country haiti cuba wherever where now that's home mm-hmm. now, i live here but that's home yeah it's, it's it's definitely weird. My partner and I were talking about that the other day because, like, we had just a bunch of few, like, for the last few weeks, it's like ten calls a day and just tragic stories, horrible stuff going on, and like, uh, and then we go to Genesis or something and rip a call down there, and it'd be like, now I'm being yelled at. 
you know, mm-hmm. by this soccer mom. Cause I walked in, I didn't like take my boots off at the door. Oh yeah. This it's is like, this is amazing right now. Yeah. Like, you know, or like, we want you to take us to like U of M because that's where our doctors are. I'm like, well, I'm sorry, but your, your loved one is unstable. I'm not going to leave the County with them. Yeah. They'll get them there. Don't get him there, but we have to get to a local hospital. And then you stabilize him. I got to take your talk to your supervisor and the whole nine. You know, you you're feel? in the city. What's up? No, keep going. I was. I would say you're in the city, and it's like people just genuinely don't know, and they'll ask. Mm-hmm. Like the call Ashley and I were talking about. The guy just didn't know. Like, what should I do? I'm like, you know, we'll tell you what. We'll do an assessment, and we'll we'll figure it out. I was going to ask, like, how do you feel like going through everything you went through? You know, like, okay, being an EMS as like a single person, so whatever, then you, like, I just got married and I'm like, oh my gosh, like things could happen. And then now you're like a, a dad of what, three or four, five? You have all the kids. Six. I don't know. He don't even Plus, know. We have four at home. Yeah. Four here. You know, four yeah, so you, kids, see these, yeah. you see these tragedies and you're like, dude, like, how do you, like, how do you, one see all that crap for 12 hours a day then you come home and you still got to be a husband and you still got to be a dad and you still gotta you come home acting like you know nothing went wrong today and whatever like Mm -hmm. how do you compartmentalize well um (laughs) i was gonna say at some point you guys should come over and hang out and my wife can explain her side of it to your wife but like she is not really concerned because I've always been a paramedic and a fireman since she's known me. Her kind of position is that she trusts God. She's, there's no point in spending a lot of energy worried about what might happen. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the kids like that, they just kind of, there's kind of like a 15 to 30 minute buffer when I get home, they're doing their own thing. Anyhow, uh, and Carrie knows, she knows that she can tell I look on my face, the look in my eye, if I've been through something, I need a little space. Um, myself personally, I kind of live by the rule that I'll either go home to my family or go home to my father. So I'm not, it's like no real stressor there. I will tell you the only time in my career where I felt like, and I'm not superstitious at all, but like the luck had been shifted a little bit, like the way things work is in COVID, in initial COVID, for the first time since I've known her, my wife said, like, don't die. I'm scared you're going to die. I was like, what? Like, I've been in literal, like, buildings on fire, and you've never said those words. <laughs> like, like, you know, Sarah Kern dimed me out way back in the day about a, I'd been in, like, a dude pulled out his pistol on me because he was just old and grumpy and felt I had disrespected him. He didn't do anything. And she goes and tells Carrie and Carrie's like, Oh, you weren't going to tell me that. I mean, you're fine. So it's whatever, <laughs> you know, like, but like that, that was wild, man. I'll tell you what, that wrecked me or like that, like freaked me out so bad for her to say, I'm scared. This is going to be the thing. Then I was like, Oh, you're like, oh, oh no. crap. Is this real? <laughs> right. Yeah. But like, that's just, it's just, you know, she's just so super supportive and strong. And she, well, she teaches high school in Mount Morris. So she's familiar. Oh, with, okay. Gotcha. You know, she understands she, before that she taught high school at Carmen Ainsworth. So she, and she did her student, student teaching at Southwestern Academy. So she understands, she understands the culture, you know, she understands mm-hmm. that, you know, from the educational perspective, what's happening. So that also helps. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a huge benefit, but it's just, it's just one of those things like, like all I can tell you, like my advice for that is like, don't hide things from her, but don't tell her too much, you know, like you'll have to figure out that balance. Like if she wants to know a rule of thumb is like, if you want to know, then you don't get to walk out. You have to hear the whole story. Like mm-hmm. that's always been kind of when people have asked it's church people, then like, Hey, what's the worst call you've ever been on? I'm like, I'm going to tell you, but you don't get to walk away. You have to listen to the entire story. Yep. 
And I've had grown men like weeping and gagging. And I'm like, man, you wanted to know. Now you're here. Dude, the so, grossest encounter I've had thus far in my EM, the EMS is I got literal human feces, septic feces on my forehead. Yes. There it is. Yeah. There it is. Some lady was laying in her poop mm-hmm. and vomit and she was stuck like under, like on top of the stairs, dude. And, uh, she had open sores and, uh, <laughs> Ashley, if you are sensitive, I don't know. No, like, I'm not. I'm it's fine. But I, I feel uh, more bad for you than I am for any, you know, it was kind of comical. Like, well, not her, but like, it's what happened. Like, so she's laying on the steps, you know, pee. Okay. So we had urine fluid one, then we had poop, vomit and blood, like all in the same patient. It was, it was incredible. And, uh, we helped lift her up poop just falls through her pants just a big old big old turd and and literally we had to get my partner and i we got the stair chair and uh it was so tight that like we it was inevitable we we had to run over the crap just to just to get to her right and so now we're pulling her down the stairs and we're just dragging poop across this house and so we finally get to her to the stretcher and uh i go to lift under her arm to help her sit on stretcher and i go like my hair got my eye and i went to go wipe and dude, Simba style, just and, poop. Then you, right. and you realized. Yep. And I was like, yeah, oh, dude. take the heart monitor. I'm going to go clean up. And I literally, you know, those like, they call it the cancer wipes. Dude, I mm-hmm. was just scruffing on my forehead. Like, yeah. Actually, those are wipes. Cancer wipes are wipes that are, you're not supposed to touch with your hair skin. <laughs> They're for wiping the cot. But like, you know, like we're always constantly like washing our hands off. <laughs> yeah, dude. I, I always scrub my forehead <laughs> with a cancer wipe. It's uh yeah. yeah man like everybody that happens to everybody like in the last year I had a lady I just helped her up then felt this squish on my hand oh, and dude. it literally dude I'm like please let it be blood please let it be blood please nope like right oh, yeah. there <laughs> boom Six oh, piece of poop <laughs> I like that you didn't say it was your hand it was like you put yeah. it, to the, the, it was literally right the area of trauma right, right here there. on the hand do you bring right like there, a change of clothes Every every do shirt. I? Yeah, I have a I have a, a, a fresh uniform at our headquarters, but also we have enough. They keep enough uniform stock, so like we have a like a bed bugs protocol. If you're in, involved in that kind of thing or whatever, you go back and they you get a fresh uniform and then they wash your uniform because they can get the water at the right temperature is supposed to be and all that stuff, but. Protocol is crazy in EMS. That's like one thing I wasn't ready for too, honestly, because there's literally a protocol for every single thing and each county is different in how they do things yeah. and it's constantly updated and you're like, oh, dude, I don't, like starting out as a basic, like starting fresh out, like a part of me feels mm-hmm. like, like, yes, I've done like, if you ask me how to, you know, uh, put a super glottic airway and I could do that, no problem. But like, but when you put it in the heat of the moment, have I done it to a person yet? No. And and my clinic and like your clinical time, you're like you don't you can't choose like what you get and don't get, you know. Right, right. I've never had to put, you know, shoot somebody with an EpiPen or administer Narcan. Like I know that I can. I uh, you know it's in my scope of practice, but I, I haven't done it yet. And so the first time I'm gonna do all this stuff is literally like when I am the help, <laughs> you know. And so right. it's like that's kind of scary. I'm not gonna lie. Um, and then, like, driving the ambulance and stuff like that. Like, I haven't done that yet. Like, they don't allow you to do that. I had to pass, you know, some courses. So, it's like there's a lot of firsts on the job mm-hmm. that I'm going to be doing while I'm on the job, and you know, and released. So, mm-hmm. that's one thing I'm yeah, a little man. nervous for. I'm not going to lie, dude. I'm pretty nervous. With that, I will say, like, once you get to wherever you're going to go, when you're doing your, your FTO stuff, your training and stuff like that, be sure, like, for me and most, like, veterans in this community, I would say jump in, like, do the thing. Like, day one, obviously, in most places, mm-hmm. is going to be, you're going to be seeing the way they do things, seeing how the crew works. But day two, like, be the guy, go in, ask the questions, do the assessment, like, want to learn all this stuff, you know, mm-hmm. just that's what those companies, that's what everyone's looking for. Just yeah, like I, desire I to be in it. Yeah. And, that, and I mean, and I, I did that. I try to do that as much as my clinicals as possible too. Um, and 
you know, some of the stuff I, I was like they were doing and, but like I, I tried to just jump in on the clinicals as much as I can. Like, you know, Hey, let me call in the radio reporter, you know, let me, it's super nerve wracking at first, but the more you stretch yourself, the more you get comfortable, you know, expand yeah. your zone of comfort. And so, uh, but I don't know, I'm like, I'm excited, but also, you know, still really nervous <laughs> yeah, and uh, we'll good. see. I think, yeah. you know, I think there should be a little bit of both. I mean, if you were too like, nah, I got this, you know, I, I think there always needs to be a little level of humility. I mean, I think that kind of translates to a little bit of humility that you understand the, re- like you said before, the responsibility and the weight of what this is. Um, so no, I think that's, I think that's reasonably a good place to be, right? Cause you know that there's, there's a lot of mm-hmm. ground to take still, you know? So, but that's incredibly yeah. exciting. I guess if I had a fear, yeah. it's like, I don't want people to think that like, just be like being new and being incompetent are completely two different things. Right. And, <laughs> you know, absolutely. And so, you know, I don't want to be, I, I want to be a, a competent EMT with the training and level that I'm like at, you know, like, yeah. so obviously as a, somebody who's been in the EMT for the last nine years can be better than me. Yeah, of course. But you know, it's crazy. Like, I, I don't know how they did in your programs, but our med programs, like EMT programs, they were pushing med legal stuff so hard. Like, you know, if you do this or you mess this up, like you could get sued or you could, it's like, Oh dude, it's like, yeah, you know, I, so I, do you think it's because a lot of people just don't care? They don't take it seriously. It's like having to yell at all the kids in the kindergarten classroom. Like, don't touch the snacks yet because there's that man. But there's also this weird underlying level of paranoia. Like literally 18 years I've been to court twice. Yeah. And never for anything I did. is because the whatever it was, when it was a homicide, maybe it was an assault or something like that. And both times they didn't even know what they were looking at when I, they took, they subpoenaed my report and the, the attorneys had no idea what they were even reading. <laughs> so, but you know, a lot of the stuff, like I'll tell you that I've had situations speaking of med legal where I've just kind of mm-hmm. wing it and hope for the best. You know, I like I've had a lady that turned out to be, as we got to the place, she took her last breath and the son was there and he's like, listen, man, like my sister is power of attorney. She's on her way from Royal Oak. She's also an actual attorney. Oh, and look at this. She's on the phone right now and wants to talk to you. And she's like, do not touch our mother. Do not put her back on the bed and leave her there. Those were her wishes. And like, I'm, I'm like, uh, then it's kind of roll the dice. Okay we'll do that. And then the place, the facility we're at freaked out and they called everybody. And I had to talk to when Dude. Swanson was the under sheriff, you know, I was like, listen, man, I was just following their wishes. And he was like, just, he was super cool. Like, I don't even know why I was brought in at this. He's like, that's cool. If that's what the family wanted, you know? Yeah. And then I've also been in a situation recently where the wife was like, this guy's got everything cancer please leave them alone. You know, director of nursing is telling me at a facility and I'm like, cool, I'm going to talk to the ER and I'm going to get some authorization and we're going to figure some stuff out. And I'll be back. So I call the ER and they're like, that's appropriate. I go back, you know, meanwhile, my partner's in the hallway yelling where in the actual hell is my partner. And like, I'm like, why are you tripping? And he's like, because the deputy shocked her into a different rhythm and now he's got her now he's got a heartbeat again i was like oh no <laughs> so now we had to transport oh man you know so now i get to the hospital and they're like what in the heck happened i thought we were calling this i was like well he got better like <laughs> yo i know sorry these things happen but like <laughs> sorry but there's <laughs> it's wild they teach you that stuff so you'll know it yeah. So you'll know it's a thing. Protocols are the same way. I know them, you know, and I kind of like if protocols are a ballpark, I'm in the ballpark. I'm not always dead on. And that's all there. It's just guidelines, man. It's just these are the things. These are the steps to take. 
But if you know, because you're good at doing assessments that these first three steps wouldn't do anything, going to step four is not, it's not like mm -hmm. a deal breaker. That's, no one's going to ever say anything. <clears throat> yeah. You know, during my clinicals, like we never had those like complicated calls to where, you know, like when you spoke to the, like there's the logistics of like, you know, speaking to the ER and trying to play, you know, like, what should I do? And, you know, you have your partner that's like, where the heck are you? Like, I don't know. I, I'm interested to see what that's going to be like my first time. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, judge. I'm just stupid. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember. Yeah, tell I you remember what, man. Oh, I've just, I've had situations where I've legitimately, you know, even this far into my career, like, like gapped out on doses. And so I'll call when I never usually do like get some medical direction here. You know, we want to go ahead and give uh what's such and such drug, you know, and usually cause I've been around long enough, the nurses know. So like, yeah, that'll be five milligrams of, you know, whatever on the way atropine. Yeah. Go for it. I'm like, yeah, thanks. They knew <laughs> they knew I had, had mind farted for a minute. Well, I remember that for the first ride along I went on and we saw a variety of things. I remember um, the one guy that had like COPD mm -hmm. um, and he was what outside doing yard work or something with some buddies and stuff. But he was an older gentleman. Um, the lady you responded to, there was like the intersection fender bender and she was OK, but it was just when she finally sat down, like, we arrived, and he was talking to her, and she sat down, like, her whole body just, like, calmed. Like, I'm going to be okay. Somebody's here. Help is here. Um, and some of what I've seen is just there's, like, what you were kind of talking about earlier, Austin, was just this profound impact to be somebody's advocate, right, to come alongside. Because I feel like there's a lot of these folks, at least some from what I've seen, People kind of know, like, I'm worried and I need to go. Like, I don't feel right. And then there's other people that just need a little bit of, like, no, you're okay. You're good. Like, do the, you know, and. Um, Making sure. Yeah. Okay. Like, I'm, you're, you're kind of second guessing yourself, you know. Um, so, I don't know. I, don't, I mean, I, I'm not in the industry, you know. But from what I can see, you, you have such a obvious passion to not just do the job, but help the people. Um, and that's that, that stuff that you can't, I mean, you can teach it, but you can't, you have to want to see that. You have to want to, to participate in that type of thing. And she keeps, you keep, do, I, keep I keep, that's okay. Cause on my end, nobody will know because <laughs> I'm recording it. Um, <laughs> I got the, I got the gist of the, You saying, got the yeah. gist of it. You know, like Jim's yeah. Jim's way with patients is phenomenal. I mean, the way he you the way you treated the homeless guy was the same way that you treated the mom. The way the same way you treated the lady at the intersection. You know, it was just your level of care to really just come alongside somebody and like. Like, we're going to be good. I'm, we're going right. to take care of you. Everything's going to be okay. You know, like that's, that's in I mean, that's, that's as a mom, really, as a way for myself. Like, that's what you need in those moments. You need the medical attention right. for sure. You want somebody yeah. to do what they need to do and do it right. But, um, oh yeah. I mean, I, I've only had to use an ambulance once and those guys were, my BFFs and they were awesome to me all the way to the hospital and it made all the difference. It was great. So. Oh yeah. All aboard the meat wagon. <laughs> hey, what you doing? I don't know. I passed out. I don't know where I am. You know? Yeah. They were great. You know? Well, I would say this is we kind of land the plane. Austin, you texted me earlier and asked if I had any advice or tips. I would say like one, just like, own the fact that whenever now you're in a position that when you show up to these situations, you know, or wherever that those people's, their situation just got better just by us showing up. We have that authority because all we have to do is get there and instantly situations changed for the good. And then, but most importantly, whatever happens, however far you go, like, and despite the people around you 
you know, because I've you've seen the negativity already, just oh, yeah. kind of stealing from Pastor Adam's message. Mm-hmm. Like, don't let the storms or the the struggles or any of that dictate how your heart is. You know what I mean? Just because this whole job is a storm. It's the wild, wild west. There's never any point where it's, there's always something. No matter, even if it looks like an easy day, there's always some underlying tension, whether it's pay or contracts or which hospital's on diversion or wait times or whatever, or bad bad attitude partners, you know? It's just, there's always something. So just, you be you, keep doing your thing, and just, like, enjoy it. It's a weird thing to say, but, like, years later, you're going to be Dr. Austin, and you're going to miss being on the road in an ambulance and flying. Yeah. It's a good uh, foundation. I'm excited just to see, you know. I've skimmed the idea of, because when I did my clinicals, I only did, I only read with, like, you know, ALS. And so, you know, if depending how school is or whatever, just if I wanted to take an extra year and save a little bit more money and go to, you know, get my medic and then finish up that way. I don't know. There's a couple, there's a fork in the road. So I'm going to take these eight months. See, just be a good basic, figure out the road and I'll Mm -hmm. go from there. But, you know, it's just very cool. Like when I did my ALS, like I ridden, like I said, with double medics, like every time. And, um, well, I've written with a few EMTs, but a lot of it was like half, like it was like a P, it was like a paramedic and EMT and then double medic. It's just really cool. They're really like, you know, showing me the, you know, the different, different waves of the heart monitor under, you know, different drugs and why they gave a certain drug. So that was pretty cool. And, uh, you know, being a medic is like, your job is cool. <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, it's like your job's cool. <laughs> you realize it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I I would say from my perspective, just thank you. You know, like I am the paper pusher, you know, I'm the nine to fiver that goes and does my part of society that goes and does this thing, you know, in business and everybody needs to do their thing. And so when I see this whole like flow of society and everybody's up in the morning and doing what they need to do and soccer moms are taking their kids and the teachers and all this stuff like I really do see so much beauty in that um so I'm extremely grateful for you know the good ones that are in the medical fields and stuff like that you know like as an average Joe we've experienced good ones and bad ones and so we really appreciate Mm -hmm. you know um when my brother passed away in his car accident there is paramedic EMT whoever that was right there on the road turned around and responded to him and stuff and I never you know we physically weren't in the home with our loved one when they passed like somebody else was there with my brother so that hits home to me a little differently um so again I just I guess from the little bit of community that I represent just thank you so much for the passion that you have I guess just thank God for what he's given you truly you know just there's that verse that people look at the works that you do look at your life and they'll praise God for it so I mean that's that's pretty cool so just excited for you thank you I'm excited yeah man welcome to the EMS family yeah. <laughs> thanks it's good to be I'm not here. laughing at you I'm laughing near you <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's what's cool. There's an honor, you know, there's an honor that we get that a lot of people don't like for believers. And, and you'll understand this is that now we get a glimpse of what what breaks God's heart. Not everybody gets to see it like everybody can pray for that. But there's just this one. We're going to get this glimpse of you know, Pastor Chem says this isn't heaven. And then he says this is like good and evil like battling well we're like right in between the two fists yeah you know like i'm in the literal thick of it you know so for me i'm just like ashley said thanks for joining up because like i was sincerely starting to have doubts that people would ever want to do this job again and then what would happen you know so and saw the need and needed to fill it you know and thanks for having me on you know, oh, absolutely. Like do this again. Yeah, for sure. It's good to be here. Absolutely. I'll see you in the road. You said MMR. You mm-hmm. applied there. Are you going to apply elsewhere? 
Yeah, I was, Schwartz would have been my second one. So um, I just was – my instructor was through MMR, and so, like, he just knew. Oh, like, sick. it was just easy. So I was just like, hey, so when I blinded clinicals, so I just ended up doing all my clinicals there. and You know, I'm just familiar with their equipment and, right you know. On. But Schwartz is cool, too. And, uh, you know, I, I would – I was a little, I have a, I actually have a Schwartz application right now with me, a physical copy. So, <laughs> Um, well, like go with, go with wherever suits you best, man. If you want to get some good down and dirty hands-on stuff, I'd, I'd like really pursue that MMR Avenue, you know? Yeah. It's, I got a lot of good experience in my clinicals through MMR. Like cause there was, we, I've done like three transfers, everything else was 901. So <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't be the case. Well, all right. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening everybody. Uh, we're coming in next week with another special guest. Meanwhile, check us out on the socials. Listen, if you haven't come to the Grand Blank Campus House Church, check us out, man. That's all I got. See you next time.